Welcome to episode 9 of Sharing Life Lessons. I am your host Hamida and I want to bring you stories because stories inspire, stories teach and stories heal. I hope everyone is staying home and staying safe. In my last episode, I had committed to bringing something before we started our interview, bringing something positive from individual perspectives on COVID-19. In the last episode, we had discussed about how COVID-19 could be that medium by which the universe was urging us to reset our lives, urging us to step back, pause, and reset. That was the what. In this episode, I want to start by reading a poem that will actually tell us how we can reset. Now, this poem is written by one of uh, our the members of my yoga group, and she said this is the first poem she's ever written. And so I want to give a big shout out to Abby Way. Abby, this does not seem like this is the first poem you've written. You uh, write beautifully, and I hope that you continue writing. Here is how the poem goes. I know you heard the news, but have you wrapped your hands around your warm coffee mug? Have you inhaled the rich aroma while pressing your lips to reach the smooth liquid? Has each taste bud tingled with flavor before it slowly moves down your throat? I know you heard the news, but have you let your bare feet land slowly on the soft and sturdy earth and felt each blade of grass hugging and holding on to you like the dear child you are, but letting you go knowing your journey isn't over. I know you heard the news, but have you surrendered your ears to the vibrating melody, the rhythm that connects your movements, each aspect of the sound pulled together and transforming every cell completely? I know you heard the news, but have you looked up to see the innocent and plush clouds? Layered on a simple blue-black background, while the light sends a reassuring warmth. I know you heard the news, but have you let your eyes notice the vibrant colors calling you closer? The freshly bloomed flowers asking you to breathe them in, letting their scent fill you completely. I know you heard the news, but have you really heard the news? Abby, thank you once again for inviting all of us through your poem to really take in uh, what we do on a daily basis, to be present and enjoy every moment of every day in these trying times. Over to introducing our guest. Everyone, please welcome Noah Walton Marriott. Noah, amongst other things, is an author and an empowerment coach. Welcome to the show, Nova. Thank you so much for actually offering to be my guest. Uh, Sharing Life Lessons is very happy to have you as a guest. And uh, before we start, may I please ask you to say something about yourself? Hi, how are you? Um, Thank you for having me. My name is Nova Walton Marriott, and um, I'm originally from New York, but I reside in Maryland. Um, I relocated here 17 years ago. I am the mother of a 26-year-old son and a two-year-old granddaughter. I work in the criminal justice system. I am currently an investigator at a local medical center. 
And um, I'm also an entrepreneur and an author. My book is called The Sleeper Has Awakened. And my business is called Higher Self LLC. I am an empowerment and career coach. And I write resumes. Wow, that's a lot in, in your credentials. Mm-hmm. We will be putting all of that in the show notes. So if any of the listeners are interested in either reading your book or reaching out to you to coach them, then they will have all the information there. And by the way, I am uh, an original New Yorker too, right now in New Jersey, but awesome. I lived in New, New York for 15 years uh, and uh, my both my kids were born there. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. I'm always happy to meet a, a native New Yorker. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have that in common. Uh, so uh, Nova, tell us your story. Well, uh, 2009, I reconnected with a um, person, a friend of mine that I had known since I was 15 years old. We had a brief thing when we were teenagers, but um, nothing super serious. And um, life went in different directions. He was um, heavily involved in street activity. And, you know, I went about my life. 2009. Facebook, as you know, reconnects everybody. Um, We were connected via Facebook through his friend. And at the time, he was incarcerated. We began to correspond and we corresponded regularly over a year's time. I didn't walk into the situation um, hoping to or expecting to develop any type of relationship. It was originally two friends just um, corresponding with each other and catching up. About a year into the situation, it had, of course, further developed and it ended up developing into something more romantic. As things progressed, I started to, of course, visit him and speak to him on the phone and correspond with him via letter and, um, you know, things heated up pretty quickly. And around the three-year mark, we got married while he was incarcerated. Of course, I, I... Got a lot of backlash from my family and, you know, some friends, you know, just telling me that they didn't think it was a good idea. And, you know, I had a couple of people call me stupid and, you know, you, um, you don't need to marry this person. You know, I, um, and of course it fell on deaf ears because by that time I was in love with him and felt well with my soul in my decision. I felt very comfortable in my decision to marry him. So I married him. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, you know, things continue to progress and in anticipation of him coming home at the seven year mark, he came home in March of well, April of 2016 and was deported to his, his country of birth. I flew in to, of course, greet him and make sure he was settled in. You know, the plan was eventually for me to move there to the country with him because naturally he can't come back here. Right. I was very optimistic about it working. And, you know, I knew there would be some challenges, but I loved him. As far as I knew, he loved me. And, you know, I was very optimistic. So I went to Jamaica and things were okay. But of course, his transition was not, was not easy. He, I would say, was suffering probably from a bit of PTSD, 
you know, being incarcerated for a number of years and coming back into society, it wasn't an easy transition for him. And also, you know, I would, I would think that being released from incarceration for, for such a long period of time would, would almost be like an animal getting out of a cage. And, you know, the world was new and it was nothing like he remembered. And he began to run amok. I was there with him the first time, 15 days, and um, we took care of everything we needed to take care of to get him settled in and to also get my credentialing together to move to the country. Eventually, I had to come back into the States. And when I came back into the States, it, things just took a turn for the worse. You know, he began to become distant, very moody, very snappy, um, began to gaslight me. It just it spiraled me out of control. It, it, it devastated me because I, I didn't understand why this was happening. Then the contact became sporadic. I would call the phone and he wouldn't answer. I was supposed to move to the country with him that January. And I was applying for jobs, getting you know interviews, but I was not getting any feedback from him. So I just didn't know where I stood at that time. So you did everything you were supposed to do, but he wasn't playing his part. Correct. January, well, December, I spoken to a friend of his. You know, I told him what was going on. He spoke to him. And when he came back to give me feedback, he said that my husband had told him that, you know, he didn't want to be a husband, that he wanted a divorce. Now, Previously, when I did have a conversation with him, he did, te- he did say to me that he couldn't be a husband right now. He needed time. Okay. I asked if he wanted a divorce. He told me no, that he just needed time. But his friend came back with a total different response. So once I got that response, I said, you know, okay, I just have to accept that there's nothing that I can do. I stopped calling. I stopped texting. I stopped doing, I stopped trying to make contact. January, I was at work. And Is that I came January back and, 2020? No, January 2017. Oh, okay. I came into my office. I looked at my phone and there was a message from him. When I looked at the message, there was, he had sent me a video. When I looked at the video, it was visual evidence of adultery. He was there was another woman performing a sexual act on him and it tore me apart. Mm -hmm. It tore me apart. It sent me into the deepest bowels of depression. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to speak to anyone. Uh, I didn't want to open my eyes because every time I opened my eyes, all I could see was the video. I would say for the next six months, everything just got progressively worse. I lost a lot of weight and I just, I walked around pretty much like a zombie. I went to work every day. I came home. I pulled the covers over my head and I went to sleep six o'clock at night because I couldn't cope. I couldn't deal with it. Clear signs of depression. Correct. I sat that way for a year. Um, After he sent me the video, he cut off complete contact. And of course, I never, I didn't try to contact him either. And um, later on that year, December, my birthday, he contacted me, started making contact again and I fell for it. I continued to correspond with him because even though the whole year I was so upset and angry by what he had done, part of me yearned for him. Part of me still wanted to work my marriage out. Mm -hmm. I blamed myself. I thought I had done something wrong. 
I put all the blame on me, thinking of what I could do to myself to make myself better for this, this marriage, to make things better. What, what could I change to make things better? And this continued on, this sporadic conversation continued on probably from December of 2017 to about April or May of 2018. But even during that time, it was still very sporadic. He, if he contacted me today, then I wouldn't hear from him for seven days. Then he would contact me and then I wouldn't hear from him for 10 days. So it was almost like he was spoon feeding me contact just to keep me around because just in case he needed me for anything. And once April hit, I called his bluff and I said, you know, I I told him I wanted to come and visit. And he made all types of excuses why I couldn't come and visit. And I said, okay, I see what this is. And um, I need to put my foot down. After Initially, after he sent me the video, I sat in that depression probably for about two and a half years. And the end of December 18, I started to feel like I needed to do something about it. I started to just evaluate my life, just all the areas that were making me unhappy. Career, this relationship, just whatever it was. And December 18, 2018, I made a conscious decision to resign from my job because I wasn't happy and I just needed a break. I, uh, I was working a full-time job at the time and I also drive Uber on the side. So, you know, I didn't have another job lined up, but I said, you know, I can just drive to, to make ends meet so I can get my head together because I'm just not happy anymore. I resigned from the job in December and I just you know, started and started thinking of ways that I could seek intervention because I was tired of sitting in depression. Before we go to your, what you did after you decided to take matters into your own, own hands, I want to step back. I want to, I want to go back to when you decided to marry him. What was your thought process? What is it that you fell for? Why did you think this marriage would work? He was kind. He was attentive. He was a great conversationalist. I felt the way he portrayed himself was he hung on my every word. I trusted him probably more than I had ever trusted anybody in my entire life um, because he created an environment where I could. I didn't feel uneasy. You know, there, there were certainly red flags as far as just how he carried himself, but I ignored them. I focused on what I knew his heart to be, and I was in love with him. Nova, for the benefit of those who are in the same situation as you are. Absolutely. Can you tell us some of the red flags that you saw but ignored? Poor money management, mood swings, Um, I had reason to believe that there was definitely something mental going on. Uh, He moved a bit quickly. Definitely moved a bit quickly. What do you mean by moved a bit quickly? To marry you? Yes. Talked um, talked about marriage very quickly. Got it. um, Talked about just pushed to get very serious very quickly. Made a lot of promises. Typical things that... Made a lot of promises but did not... Make a, made a lot of promises, but did not keep them. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, I hear you. Right. Okay. Um, and then fast forward, and this was very helpful, but fast forward 
to when you came back from Jamaica and this was after his friend told you that he wanted to divorce you, etc. right? He called you. And even after mm-hmm. he sent you the video, he called you. And you kept answering the phone. Right. Why was that? What made you maintain that contact with him even after that seeing that horrific video? Because part of me still yearned for him and wanted to work my marriage out. I had begun to internalize that I had done something wrong, that I had done something to cause him to treat me the way that he was treating me because he'd never treated me like that before. And I continued to answer the phone because I wanted to speak to him. You know, he had cut me off, cut off contact with me for a year. And when he finally called, I couldn't pick the phone up fast enough. I suffered for an entire year because he wouldn't talk to me. You still had hope. You were still hoping yes, things would work out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I still had hope. Okay. And so now let's get back to where we where you were. December 18, 2018, you decided to take matters into your own hands and you realized you needed intervention. What happened? Well, actually, it was before that that I decided I needed intervention. I started going to going back to acupuncture started going back to yoga, just anything to cause some type of shift in my energy because I was so low, you know, it hurt me to smile. And I just didn't want to live like that anymore. Naturally, those things worked, but they were temporary fixes. You know, I would always go back to that place because I wasn't dealing with the root of what I had going on. So um, one day, speaking to a coworker, and she told me about a life coach that she was seeing recommended her to me. I looked at her website. Everything looked copacetic. And I reached out to the life coach. When I did the consultation, just listening to my voice, she described me to a T. She told me what I was feeling. And I'd never met this woman before. She could listen to the sound of my voice and tell me where I was at. And uh, it it was almost refreshing because I felt like Somebody understood because for so long I felt like so, so many years, so much of my life, I felt like nobody understood me. So someone finally understood you. Someone finally understood me. So I started seeing her and we, we started to chisel away at all of the things that would even uh, motivate me to get involved with someone in his position. We started to identify the low self-esteem, the trauma, the mommy and daddy issues, all of the things that were stunting my growth thus far and would have potentially caused me to even consider getting involved with someone in his predicament. We also identified the fact that I've gone the majority of my life feeling like I had to save everybody because growing up, I never felt protected. I never felt safe. So I made it my life mission to save everybody I came in contact with. That is very interesting. I just wanted to say that 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 is an interesting point. Thank you. As I was seeing the life coach, she definitely validated my feelings, definitely um, expressed that it was wrong. You know, the things that had been done to me, not just by him, just, you know, by my father, my mother, you know, different traumatic events that had happened in my life. 
And, you know, she didn't negate any of that. But what she did say was, what are you going to do about it? She put it back on me. She gave me the responsibility. And at first, I didn't know how to receive that because I, I kind of felt like she wasn't on my side. You know, I don't know. I don't know how to fix that. Um, when I told her I wanted to work my marriage out, she said, you don't have a marriage. That was another hard pill to swallow. She handled me very directly, very honestly. And it helped me to begin to come out of the fog, to really, really be real with myself. So part of, part of her coaching was for me to journal. She um, recommended that I journal. I told her that I had been writing my, well, typing my feelings down in a Word document. She said it wasn't good enough that I needed to write my feelings down with a pen, use my hand to write the, write the feelings down. I was very resistant at first. I felt like it didn't serve any purpose. I didn't understand how beneficial it could be. The next couple of sessions, my homework was to go home and journal, come back and we discussed what I wrote the next week. And for a couple of times, I came back and I didn't have any journal entry. I, I was very resistant at first. And then one day I just started to write things down, just write my random feelings down, nothing, no paragraphs, just random feelings. And before you know it, they turned into paragraphs. And once I started writing my feelings down, I couldn't stop. So I used to journal and for some reason I need to get back to it. I stopped and I need to get back to it because I then started my meditation practice. And for some reason, the journaling and the meditation practice both um, were not synchronized in my life. But it seems like you got a lot more out of journaling than I did. And I want to ask you that because I've heard others say that as well. So what is it about journaling that really gave you that relief? It was tangible. You know, it validated my feelings. It, it, it made my feelings real. There's a difference between sitting down and thinking about your feelings and wondering why things happen or however you process your feelings and actually writing them, them down and then reading it over. Because after I wrote the, the stuff down, I would go back and read my words. And then I started finding out things about myself. It created self-awareness in me. It created an environment where I could see how angry I was. I could see how sad I was, how hurt I was, how I might have been blaming others for things that I had the power to avoid happening. It was almost like putting my hands in front of my face, facing myself, except I'm, I'm a person and I was looking at my words. Yeah, I've, I've, had, I've had many people say that to me as well, that it's when they go back and they read what they wrote, they go, wow, is that how I'm feeling? Right. That's exactly how I felt. So how, what, how did all of this lead to the book? Is this your word document that became your book or is it your journaling that became your book? It was my journaling. I just kept writing. I had a very, uh, very honest conversation with my father and I told him, you know, his actions may have disappointed me, but I realized now that he did his best and, you know, that I forgave him. And he wasn't the only one I had the conversation with, but I'm just using him as an example. And um, he said, wow, you know, thank you. He said, you know, you should write a book because it sounds like you have something really important to say. So that kind of planted the seed. And as I read, continued to read the journal and read my thoughts back, I said, huh, I might have something. 
listeners, details of the book is going to be in the show notes. But before we get on to your life lesson, Noah, I want to ask you one more question. Tell me what role did forgiveness play in all of this? The role forgiveness played in all of this was it set me free because I spent so long being angry at so many people for their offenses. I couldn't get out of the past. I was so busy concentrating on what people had done to me and being unforgiving. All my life, I kept hearing the phrase, let it go, let it go, let it go. But nobody ever told me how to go about doing that. And when I finally got to the point where I realized that nobody gives you forgiveness, you know, forgiveness is a conscious decision. I started to find forgiveness when I decided that it was counterproductive not to forgive. Nice. So you've gone through a lot, Nova. And I know that what the story that you've told us is only one aspect of your life. There are other aspects of your lives that have been as frustrating and as downing as this one. And so tell, tell us from all of this, what is your life lesson that you would like to share with the listeners? Well, my life lesson, in writing my book, I discovered how self-aware I was not. And once my book was completed, it gave me the gift of self-awareness. The more self-aware I became, the more emotionally intelligent I'm becoming because I spent a lot of years um, in fight or flight, feeling like I needed to defend myself, I needed to fight for myself. But the more I started to identify things about myself, the more I started to understand myself and, and to know who I am as Nova, I realized that everything is not a battle. You know, I have a choice. And um, that's the other lesson that I learned. Um, I have options. For my entire life, I never thought I had options. I never... Um, I always felt like I was stuck in any any given situation, that there was nothing that I could do about it. Um, I, I need to work my marriage out because I made a vow. You know, I felt this false sense of loyalty to people that I shouldn't feel that way about. You know, sometimes you just have to cut your losses. That's permissible. There are extenuating circumstances that that permit that. And you also said that you... You felt like you've put in a, you put in a lot of your energy and you invested a lot in this relationship. And that is why you felt like you wanted it to, you had hope that it would work out more. Absolutely. And now after that was pre-self-awareness, after post-self-awareness, I'm hearing you say, it's okay. You can still cut your losses. Yeah. So that is powerful because again, I'm thinking about all of the, men and women who are in your situation and who are saying, but I put in 25 years of my life in this and I've put in so much, I've given it so much, I've given it my full, like you said. Another technique that the life coach taught me was um, it's the three R's, reflect, reframe, renew, um, to see, basically to see the positive in the things that you you encounter the, the situations that you encounter. And as time went along, as I started to realize that it's okay sometimes to just let, let it go, that to just take your hands off of certain things, I began to see that he did me a favor by leaving me. Why is that? Well, um, well, first of all, I suffer for so long because at the root of my issues, I have abandonment issues. And 
when he left, he was just another person that left me that promised me that they wouldn't. But now that I'm looking at it from a different scope, I realize he did me a favor by leaving me because he would have never done right by me had he stayed. Mm -hmm. So I began to feel a bit of gratefulness toward him. And that's how I was able to work toward forgiving him. Nova, this, this was a very interesting dialogue and your life lesson of self-awareness and also the fact that we all have options. We have choices that we can make and we should find the strength to make is valuable. Nova, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, I want to thank you for having me on the show. And um, if I could say one more thing to the listeners, it's just the best gift that you can give yourself is to take the time to get to know yourself. It really is okay to take some time for yourself. Once you get to know yourself, it'll definitely change the trajectory of the relationships that you allow yourself to have in life. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Nova. I hope my listeners will agree with me that it takes courage to talk so openly and so candidly about such a personal aspect of your life. And Noah did such a good job with that. But that is exactly why this podcast has been launched. Only so that you can give yourself permission to be vulnerable so that others can learn from you. And so if there are people who are in the early parts of their relationships and they see the same red flags that Nova did but ignored, then maybe you can actually see them, take heed of them and cut your losses and not have to go through the several years of depression that Nova had to go through. Listening to the life lesson that Nova has shared, I'm speaking directly to those who keep blaming themselves and who keep thinking that they're doing something wrong, even though they know in their hearts that they are the ones who are being manipulated and they're the ones who are being used. I challenge you and I ask you, what are you going to do about it? Listeners, if you know anyone out there who is struggling with your relationship and will benefit from this episode, please share it with them. Also, if you would like to support the sustainability of future episodes, then please go to anchor.fm and click on the support button with the dollar sign on it and support this podcast that way, details of which are also in the show notes. Next Wednesday, I will bring you the last episode of this first season. Until then, be safe, be happy, and be well.